All right, hello, Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast. Bonus episode, hi, Barrett. Hey, how are you, sir? I am well. We're going to talk about stuff, uh, who knows what. I, 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 I have two topics that I could bring up. Do you have anything you want to talk about specifically that, that uh... Um, no. I mean, I have many things that we can talk about, but what's on your mind? I, uh, I want to do an, uh, talk about old man shit, because you and I were, were old, and, um... I knew this existed, and I just didn't realize how popular it was. Uh, I, someone posted a link on my Facebook page the other day, and uh, said, "Oh, you got to watch this." And so I did, and I, I watched part of it. I couldn't the whole the whole. It was a YouTube link, and it was 17 minutes long, and uh, I, I could make it through seven minutes of it. And I don't want to insult it because you know it was entertaining, sort of, but it was a reaction video. And I knew reaction videos existed, like when a movie wants to promote itself, like especially a horror movie, they put uh, uh, cameras in the, the theater and they show people reacting to scary parts. Or, you know, you see the reaction videos to, ooh, these people are watching, you know, I made my girlfriend watch Two Girls, One Cup and, you know, filmed her reaction. But right. what this is this is literally reaction to uh, a song. They, they, they were playing Metallica's One and the video and watching and then they would pause the video and rewind it and say ooh you know I want to watch this part again and yeah the the reason the guy my friend gave it to me is because they were very upbeat and excited like holy shit I can't believe I never heard this song before but it had you know an absurd hundreds of thousands of views and these guys had you know subscribers and the comments were off the chart like you guys are my favorite reaction guys and so I went down this small rabbit hole not a big one because I didn't want to get angry uh, angrier but it's, it's this whole subculture of instead of creating art yourself or doing something original, you just watch something and film yourself reacting to it and sort of talk about it. It's like everybody's a critic. You know, they're, they're, they're critiquing the music, but it's not called, you know, two average guys critique a music video. It's just reaction video, their first responses, because they're not sitting down and thinking about it and, and talking about it after the fact. They're responding in the moment. And as I said, it was it was interesting. They were upbeat. They were fun. But I just can't I wrap my head around the fact that, and again, that may, may I'm sure it's partially because I'm old man and this is what kids are into, but it's also the fact that I'm trying to put out um, original content. And I'm sure if my content ended up on a reaction video and people were like, this dude's so funny, I'd be all about it. I'd be laughing. Like, yay, they like me, but... I, I just don't get it, and I know that's the, the, the response of the old person, which is, ah, kids today, I don't get it, which is uh, which is a polite way of saying I don't like it, and yeah. I just, I don't, I, I don't understand the, the idea, well, maybe I do, maybe I do understand the idea of I don't have anything to offer, so what I offer is me judging other people and everyone can be in i don't know what are your thoughts do you are you aware of this subculture did you ever have any experience with it uh well all right you know you know me i have i mean that ties into so many different things uh all right let's take a half a step back here's what i think i think that we live in a culture where people are living their lives publicly right like the idea of privacy is absurd do you know what i mean like when you and i were kids you didn't know who was on the other end of the phone you know what i mean you walked over to your friend's house you knocked on the door you know what i mean like 
people were surprised by things. You know, now everything is play dates and caller ID. You know what I mean? Well, here like, let's put it. Let's put it this way. I remember reading articles of uh, the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin in the '70s, where if you were not a Rolling Stone fan, you didn't recognize them because there was no internet. And if you didn't buy right, if you didn't buy the magazine Rolling Stone that had Led Zeppelin on the cover or Rolling Stones. You just didn't know who they were, so you had a, right. a, a, a sliver of anonymity, even though you were a rock star. Right. And in the 1990s, I could name all five, I think it's five, no, six, six. I could name all six cast members of the TV show Friends having never seen an episode. So that was a, <laughs> a shift in, in... Right, absolutely, right. Yeah, that, I mean, that's really where we are, right? Like, we're in a place where people, bands used to be able to develop in private. You developed in your garage and playing anonymous shows in front of, like, your six family members who you get all convinced to come out. You know what I mean? And now everybody's got cell phones, so every video goes up. So if you go out with your band and you've had, like, your your mandatory 52 rehearsals, like when you're, like, in high school or some shit, you know, and then you go play your show and it's stupid or some asshole finds it and doesn't think it's good, even though you're a bunch of high school kids, and is like, huh, the future of music in America, this is this is garbage, right? And you're some, like, 14-year-old kid in your little high school band, and somebody's telling you you suck, so now you don't want to do it anymore, you know what I mean? So now you have a whole generation of people who are afraid to put themselves out there because everybody's a critic, just what you said, right? Everybody's a critic, everything is filmed, everything is around, well, they also, I know comedians, Chris Rock has talked about this and others, they say when they're working out material in a small club for their HBO special, they actively have to say, like, I know at the beginning of every comedy show, they say, hey, no cell phone use, but seriously, turn that shit off. They, they, they talk about this right. is a work in progress. The joke on Showtime or HBO will not sound six months from now like it does right now. So if you put this out here, I can't use it. Right, exactly. I mean, that, right. It's like ridiculous things like that, right? So you have, but imagine that if you're 14, right? Yeah. Now, well, these were the, actually grown men doing the video right. I saw, but continue. But I mean, but, but these are the people who grow up to be those people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how old these guys are, but but I know people who are 25, 30, and they are in that same trap because they yeah, had Yeah, YouTube's cell phones. been around since, what, 2005, 6? Right. So, okay. right, they had cell phones when they were in high school still. I didn't have a cell phone until much later, you know what I mean? Like, these people had cell phones when they were in high school, so they grew up in this world where, like... They were no longer allowed to be anonymous. Things weren't private. You send somebody a text message. What used to be like a note when I was in high school, you wrote a note to say to some girl that you liked her and she could show it to her friends. You know what I mean? And it could get passed around and you could be embarrassed or some shit like that. But it didn't get screenshot and then put on like, on her Facebook page for people to see for the next fucking 50 right. years. You know what right. I mean? It's like, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Like, like how, like, that, you know... We have a culture full of people who are afraid to take risks, right? Why do we have dating apps? 
You know why? Because dudes can't walk up to a woman in a bar and have a conversation that's interesting enough for her to be interested in having a, a, a further conversation and then maybe going home or exchanging numbers and then talking on the phone a few minutes. Like, nobody knows how to do that anymore because everybody's afraid to have a conversation. So it's just swipe right, swipe left, right? So that all leads up to exactly what you're talking about. Shows where people who are have the artistic gene but are petrified of actually doing something, they just create these things. It's like, yes, I'm creating something, but I'm not taking any risks. It's like a way to be creative and not take any risks whatsoever. That That's is, my thought. Well, it's goddamn fascinating. I never would have gone there. I was just stuck in my loop of, I don't understand it. What is wrong with society? <laughs> the old man just like, God damn kids! <laughs> Get your ball off my lawn. Right, but I yeah. do want to understand it. That's why I bring these things up, because I want to complain, but I also want to understand, because I I, I don't like the idea of just complaining and moving on. I, I like right. the idea of getting inside a head and... Even if I can't problem solve and, you know, take a kid by the hand and go, okay, Johnny, you're going to be creative today. I can at least understand why they do what they do. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm just guessing, right? Like, I have no fucking idea why they do what they do. But if why are I, they so popular, though? Why I do people love that shit? Because I think that we have created a voyeuristic culture. People like point. to watch... They just like to watch. Like, one of the things that really irritates me is when I have... I have students who will... I'm like, what do you do all day? And they're like, oh, I watch this and this and this and this. And they basically watch other people who have exciting lives live their lives. Like, they've we've somehow created a culture with this where we over-identify with things. And I say that, like, you and I being in the entertainment art business, right? Like, wanting people to identify with what we do so they like us and support exactly. our stuff, right? But, I mean, but and I, I can't deny that's where the stem of my frustration comes from. And that's what I said right. earlier is I am putting out my YouTube channel has over an hour of original content on it that I wrote, that I performed in front of audiences. The audiences laughed. They're like, this guy is funny. And then I put it out to the universe, and the universe is like, hey, you see these two guys talking about this movie they saw? I'm like, oh, god damn it. Well, I mean, you know, do you remember that uh, cartoon we were kids, the Pepe Le Pew? Do you remember this? Right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and today goes, would be a sexual assault. Uh, oh, uh, cat. absolutely. Or in, skunk. In, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it would be horrific, right? But, like, remember, he was always after the the black cat with the that white I, tail, right? All, so, well, no, not a white tail. The black cat that always went under a fence that had just been. Oh, painted. right. <laughs> exactly. Always went. Just right. always a painted <laughs> fence right there, and they just rubbed the back, and. Right. <laughs> wow, it was like Three's Company, just this crazy miscommunication. No, no, I'm I'm a cat. I'm not a. Uh, just uh, right. every it's goddamn right. episode. Oh, literally. And at the end of every episode, what happened, right? He jumped into the perfume factory, and she went to like the Limburg Cheese Factory and rolled around, and they both decided that they would go to do what the other one wanted so that they could be together, even though it didn't start off that way, right? Like it was every like Greece. single one. Right, <laughs> right. Like in three minutes, right? Yeah, John Travolta <laughs> gets a, tries to get a letterman's jacket, and Olivia Newton-John puts on a leather. Right, exactly, right. So now instead of watching Grease, just watch a go, five, go, go watch a five-minute Paper Le Pew cartoon, and you see the whole thing. I mean, but I think that there's something there, right? Like, I think that as old people, 
part of our job, right? Like, okay, see, you know how I do. See, see what happens when you get me wound up. Um, remember when we were in school and Paul Simon, they were using the Paul Simon record, Rhythm of the Saints. Yeah, in hold on some a of second. Our classes. Uh-huh. For anyone listening, we went to the Berkeley College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. So Okay. There you so go. continue. All right. So, you know, people were talking about that and people were using that as this real authentic Brazilian blah, blah, blah. You know, and I was like, oh, God, here we go. And, you know, in my like radical college days, I was like, but yet yeah, this is just another white dude getting rich off black people and or brown people's music. Right. To get all these Brazilian musicians and African musicians and all these people. It wasn't and just you. Stuff, that was right? a big story at the time. I remember, especially right. after I, Graceland, too. And, and right. Yeah. It's just also like, because was, Peter Gabriel did it first and better and more right. authentically where he's like, hey, I like these musicians. I'm going to put them on the record. I'm going to create a record label that promotes them. Right. Whereas right. Paul like, Simon right. said, totally hey, I'm going to steal all their energy. songs and say I wrote them. Right. Yeah. It's just a totally different kind of energy surrounding one versus the other. But, you know, I talked to my dad about it. And my dad said, well, son, you know, you may be right, but for many people, they need a bridge to get from A to C. Right. So if real Brazilian music is is C and they're at A, they need Paul Simon to create this bridge so they can get there. And that will Paul Simon will legitimately lead people to a place where the people who are really seekers will, will hear something in that music and dig deeper. And it's true. I've met many musicians over the years who got into like Brazilian stuff and Afro-Cuban stuff and all these things. And it's like, how'd you get into that? Oh, I heard Graceland. Oh, I heard Rhythm of the Saints. Oh, is a Peter Gabriel this? Oh, Sting did this thing with this guy. You know what I mean? Like Your dad so, is a so, goddamn smart man. Right, like, and 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 it really made me think. And then you know you start reading the interviews about with all with Lady Smith, Black Mombasa, and people like that, and they're like, yeah, Paul Simon made our careers. Like, without him, like he opened a doorway in which all of these African groups could come over. He didn't necessarily do it on purpose, or maybe he did. I don't know the man. You know, maybe he really is such is an amazing benefactor and humanitarian. Who knows? Well, that's right? that's what we talk about. The energy being different is. Peter Gabriel, that was part of his, his like, wow, look at this new music I discovered. And Paul right. Simon always had that, hey, check out my new album. You know, it was, it, there was right. a different difference. But, I mean, but at the end of the day, right, like... Where the result can, was the same. We Right, exactly. And Paul Simon really made it possible for a lot of African and Brazilian and on, and, and by default other people right cubans and whoever right like just pe just exposing people to a different kind of music that made it possible for other things to become possible also do you know what now, i mean do you like, think he championed cuban music more than ricky ricardo because i love lucy was kind of popular come on see now that is mm, that's a valid point i don't know <laughs> i'm just speaking out my that's ass because that's how my brain works as you know right. me i just think of references yes absolutely but I mean, but you know, so any, so I say all that, right? That convoluted thing, right? To say that I think that when you're a kid, you want something that is familiar, but you want it to be presented to you in a way that differentiates you from your parents, right? We all want the same things, right? Like at the end of the day, we all well, let's, know. Let's go back. Let's let's uh, the the for Elvis right there. He was just right. uh, many black artists that white kids could relate to, but their parents right. hated. So it was like this perfect bridge, like you're speaking of. 
Yeah. And that's really it, right? Like, if you look at it, I have a theory that, you know, in every generation, the same spots get occupied, right? Like, you have a Marilyn Monroe who then is Madonna. You know what I mean? Madonna was our Marilyn Monroe. You know what I mean? And then some the next generation kind of had Britney Spears for a half a second. Then they had... Uh, what's her face from Noah Gwen Stefani, right? And then they had Lady Gaga became their version of Madonna, but I not think Gwen Stefani their came first. But either way, I mean, I think she did. You had Gwen Stefani, but then I think Lady Gaga really embodied the Madonna thing, right? With like the strange clothes and all the other stuff. You know what I mean? Like she really embodied what Madonna represented in the 80s, I think, to that same group of people. But she didn't represent the Marilyn Monroe thing, right? But I, but I think that every generation has that thing that represents... It's like it's all the same, is what I'm saying, right? And right. So, but it is different, right? Like, the same people who loved Marilyn Monroe might have hated Madonna, but the, same, but the, but the kids who like Marilyn Monroe love Madonna. Do you know what I mean? It's like it. they have that connection. The reverse. The kids that love Madonna love Marilyn Monroe, you mean. Right. There you go. That yeah. makes sense, right? And so I think if you take it from that standpoint, for us as adults, like if you want to appeal to the children, not children, to just people a generation after you, right, I think you have to present it to them in a way that doesn't sound like something their parents would listen to. It's the same information, right? Like, comedians have been talking about the same shit for the past hundred years. Like, literally, it's always... You know what I mean? It's like the same things, right? We all talk about the same stuff. It's just each generation does it in their own way, right? Like, why we need, like, you know... Why why is there a show with a white family that has a kid, has two teenage kids, and their kids kind of get in trouble, and there's always one really young kid, right? Then there's a family... Then there's a black show with the same family, Right. Then there's a show. If you turn on the Spanish channel, there's the same show just with Spanish people. Right. It's like, well, that's, yeah, that's, it's like everybody just religion. kind of wants that's their That's literally own thing. religion. You had right. uh, uh, the Israelites who were Jewish and then the Europeans said, well, we're not going to buy into that. But, hey, we found this Jesus. Now we're Christian. And then Arabs said, ah, but we have Muhammad. It's all the same goddamn shit. It's just for their own little sect to make them feel good about being quote right yes absolutely right i think that um, although i must point out that islam uh is the one and true religion because i don't want to get fucking suicide bombed <laughs> right there you go i i do think that at the at the upper echelon of all religions at least all the ones that i know of right and that's not that many mind you right that's probably like a sample size of seven you know that i know something about right but at the upper echelons of the ones that I know about, they all say the same thing. Knowledge of God through knowledge of self and knowledge of self through knowledge of God, right? Like, it's like you and your oneness with the eternal, right? And But at the lower level is where they all seem to differ, right? It, it really is about, like, keeping people in line, I think, right? At the lower levels, religion is really about stopping you, people from killing each other and stealing their shit and, you know, like being assholes to each other, basically. Right. Well, Christianity was, or the old, one of the, it was about uniting the tribes. You had all these tribes with different folklore, and they said, well, if we put right. it all in one book, then we can say, yay, we're alike. And that might have been the Israelites. I don't know where they're, but right. yeah, it was, it was about uniting people. 
Right. And exactly. by for political purpose. It was the leaders that said, yes. well, hey, I got taxes, you got taxes. Why don't we put it all together under one, you know, like, auspice? I'm like, yeah. oh, yay, we all right. love God. Yeah, it, I mean, it just makes sense. It's a very Hear that, Muslims? I'm shitting that. on Israel. Don't suicide bomb me. <laughs> yes. I like um, to cover my bases, goddammit. Indeed, indeed. I like to blaspheme equally. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said to that, right? Like, I feel like when you have situations like this, you have all of these people who, at the at the highest level, right, like... What I know about the highest level of Judaism, what I know about the high levels of Christianity, what I know about the high levels of, of Islam, right? It all literally is the same stuff. You know what I mean? When you no, get except to Christianity the, as the boy fucking. Right. Well, that's I would call that low level, but okay, depending on where, where you're drawing the line between low and high, sure. Went up to the last two popes. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I'll let okay. you keep talking. I keep so, interrupting with uh, no, nonsense. No, but, but, but you've got a point. I mean, you know... You know, when I was the music director at a church, I, they were interviewing me, and one of the things that they said is, you know, are you a Christian? You know, And I said, well, um, no, but I'm not not a christian you know what i mean i'm like listen look i, I have to interrupt problem. you again because you know the way my brain works but yes <laughs> the first thing i think of is the movie stripes are you two homosexual no but we are willing to learn right <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing i thought of when you said that <laughs> are you a christian no but uh, it's also ghostbusters right. Right. do you believe in ghosts the paranoia no but if there's a paycheck in it i'll believe anything you want or whatever ernie hudson right. says no but right. if there's a steady paycheck in it I'll believe anything. Right, right. Well, I mean, that's funny. Well, I mean, that was partially my attitude. But what I said to them, I said, listen, here's my honest feeling. I really like Christianity. My issue is Christians. And, like, the head pastor looked at me like, what? And the junior pastor was like, explain. Like, Isn't that Gandhi's quote? Your Jesus I like very much. His followers, right. not so much. Something right. like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, exactly. Right, that's like what I said. And then, and I got into it and I broke down like how the church backed slavery and all this other stuff. And I'm like, listen, man, and you get all these stories with all these people doing all this crazy shit to each, to each other in the name of this. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, come on, man. Like, there's some really messed up stuff in that book, right? And Christianity has done some really messed up things over the years and distorted messages and done all kinds of things like that. And you can't deny that stuff. And you hear that, you Muslims? Around, Don't suicide bomb Barrett either. Right. <laughs> exactly. But really, like, the more you guys sit around, like, denying that this stuff existed and or acting like it was okay, it then just allows for all these other things to take place that then poison religion in the minds of people so now most of the people i know who are catholic are lapsed catholics and most of them have a really bad relationship with the church for some reason or another now granted i well, don't necessarily know a lot of catholic people no so no again, i do in the midwest that's my mom's generation that's our parents generation my mom everyone in her household uh and in her friends they, they turned 18 they walked away from the church like they were all right. catholic and yeah. uh, my mom, 
tells the story where she turned 18 and said, all right, I'm done going to church. And then her younger sister, my aunt, went, well, if she doesn't have to go, I'm not fucking going. And then her mom, my grandmother, said, all right, we're done. You know, like she always sort of, yeah, I mean, you just sort of know when you're brought up in a harsh environment like the Catholic Church of that time, I don't know what it's like now, that, that once you just sort of know that it's horseshit and you walk away when you reach a certain age. Right. I mean, and, 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 and maybe it's not horseshit maybe the information is valid but the 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 delivery mechanism is false the power structure yeah the 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 system so anyway you're in this interview i'm interrupting right but i mean but that's but that's but we were talking about a lot of that stuff and so they didn't hire me right and they hired somebody else and then i came in later they brought me in after that other person turned out to be a disaster but it was an interesting thing right like getting to know people who really were true believers like they really did believe you know well bef- i think it's interesting what you just said you're you're going down another path i just found it interesting because i never knew this story that <laughs> um because i always knew you were a church director i didn't know the hiring process that it's funny like right. uh we're gonna go with the christian and the christian turns out to be a fuck up so they go with the guy that's not a christian and you had that right. job for quite a while as like oh yeah the they it's it's like that whole hey we'll hire our fraternity brother except the guy's a drunk and a fuck up and you should have just gone with the most qualified candidate but you went with someone that you thought would you know you you stay within your tribe and that doesn't right. always work out for the best as proved by that situation well okay and then you got a- then you got to know them but i just found that interesting because yeah. you've never told me that before well let's take another quick tangent here right sure. let's do a little quick aside here that's people's problem with affirmative action, right? Where I was was a very it was a wealthy white area, right? And, and I mean, they didn't want a black fellow with dreads as their. I mean, I thought you would have I, I hired, think, gotten hired off that immediately. Just like, ooh, I mean, he's going to make us look good. He's going to. We are going to seem yeah. so progressive and hip and into it. Look, we got a black guy. You know, like. I mean, I think that when they did hire me, I think that was part of it also. Like, when they started to factor in other, when they started to bring in other factors, I think it was clear to them that I would have been, at least on paper, a better fit. Do you know what I mean? For the message they're trying to send out, it would have been smarter to hire me. And I think that was the decision that they made. Do you know what I mean? Once they thought about it, they hired the other guy, and once they thought about it, they realized it was a bad idea, and then brought me in, basically, right? But... I, but it was interesting on, on a handful of levels because it was definitely an, an upper middle class, so uh, not wealthy, it was upper middle class, right? Upper middle class white area. And a lot of those people had problems with affirmative action, right? And they had problems with affirmative action because they thought it that less qualified people would be getting jobs because of their race. But what I saw was a less qualified person got a job because of their religion in the same way from arguably the same people that would have a problem with affirmative action. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that... See, that's funny right there. That's like comedy. (laughs) Right. But I think that people really have... People don't have issues with things until it's personal. People think affirmative action and nepotism is wrong until their kid needs a job. And they happen to work at the company, right? (laughs) Like, when it's your kid that needs a job or you're the kid that needs a job, nepotism is a beautiful thing, right? Nepotism is a beautiful thing when it produces... 
uh, Derek Trucks, you know what I mean? He's, you know, Butch Trucks' his nephew, plays in the Allman Brothers. Derek Trucks gets to hang out with them and jams with them. He's like 14 years old. By the time he's 20, he's a fucking beast. Now he's in his 30s and he's uh, he's like remarkably he's amazing you know what i mean that's also nepotism right and then there's like, the reverse you know. which is jaden smith so it can <laughs> backfire horribly you're just a dick wow he's fucking annoying don't you even start with me on being a dick every time he opens his goddamn mouth it's like oh jesus christ you should have been grounded or hit or denied something like no you can't have that cookie or Lamborghini since you're Jaden Smith, you know, like withhold a Corvette or a Lamborghini or a Porsche and where I would say you don't get a, you know, a used beater car at 16. You don't get a yacht either way. That's hilarious. All right. So anyway, (laughs) that is funny. Um, So uh, back to the original point. So I, I got to know these. I don't people. even remember well, the original. No, oh, that even, right, 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 right. It's, it's not even the original. It's the original point after the original the tangent. Original right. point, right? It's, it's, <laughs> the original tangent. That sounds like a, it's a good name for a band, right? <laughs> the original original tangent. You know. You know what I want to name my next comedy <laughs> CD, even though it'll be too late by the time it comes. A very stable genius. I think that. Right. You know, but it'll be a shot reference by then. If there's any right. comedian that's have a CD coming out soon, that'd be a perfect title. So you get yeah. to know these people so i get to know them and they're fantastic people all of them to to a person like seriously like and i like the the service that i played at the i was a music director for the genesis service right and so this was a service where it was geared towards people kind of i'll say like 50 and under but let's say 45 and under right that's what it was geared towards really now some people who were in their 50s came uh but it was really designed for people who were 15 to 45 right like because that was the, the those are the people that are most likely not to go to church right like the 15 year olds why does a 15 year old want to go to church right so head they drama me in Right, exactly. Right. So they brought me in and we're doing like young hip music and things like that. And I'm around like the children. Now, what of, is considered young and hip for a church? Well, here's the thing. That's the problem, right? Is that like the stuff was just outdated. It was kind of like 80s, 90s. <laughs> so instead of, right, I was going to say, instead of Perry Como, they were just catching up like, all right, we'll let that boy George band in. Come on. Right, come on, come exactly. on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Right. Really, uh, right, aren't we right. hip? It, right. It was like, it was basically like B-sides. It was like early Maroon 5 B-sides is what most of the music sounded like to me. Right. Maroon 5 B-sides and U2 B-sides and things like that. You know what I mean? Just like stuff that wouldn't that just wouldn't have made the record, but they wrote it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and I was like, right. And those were their hits, you know. And so in playing this stuff and it was fun. But I was around the children of upper middle class white people. And I met a lot of people from 15 to 35. I became friends with a lot of them, like because I ran the youth band sometimes and then I would pull the more talented youth into the adult band, right? So I was interacting with all of them. Now, these are the same kids that I went to high school with and grammar school with, and I hated them. Well, right? the explanation to people that don't know you, you were one of the only black people in a 
mostly white school, right. like majority, Absolutely. majority white. Right, right. I, I am, you know, we'll, we'll reference another comedian here for a second. Uh, Dave Chappelle said, you know, uh, he was, his parents made just enough money for him to be poor around white people. Right. Right. And that's how I felt as a kid. Whereas I was the reverse. When I was in grade school, I went to the majority black school. Right. Because your parents made so little money that they just got to be rich around black people. Right. Right. I don't even know if that was the case because, man, you go look at our house and uh, back then, like, I I know it's been years, so it's obviously dilapidated. But, yeah, that was not a that was not a happening neighborhood. Right. And but like, you know. The kids when I was in school, I was in prep school as a as a as a grammar school kid, right? I'm in prep school with these kids who lived in mansions and shit, you know, and I just felt stupid. I just felt stupid. You know what I mean? Not stupid. I I knew I wasn't stupid. I felt unfortunate. Like my parents made just enough money for me to realize how unfortunate we were. You know what I mean? And that's another Chappelle reference, right? He talks about like Nas and all this stuff, right? When I was right. listening, that's to how I felt when I got to high school because we moved several times right. and uh, I, we we moved to this place where it was it was absolutely two sides of the tracks. You had the people that right. lived on the lake that were the haves, and you had everyone else. And even if you were like middle class, like which we had finally clawed our way into middle class. We were the have-nots. You had people that lived in mansions, or you had people that lived in whatever houses, and right. th- that right. was a stark contrast. Yeah, the people contrast. who lived in the mansions and the people who worked for them. It was, it was, uh, it was uh, almost pretty in pink, in a way, except mm-hmm. we didn't live on the tracks. Right. We just had a normal house. But yeah, it was the, the James right. Spaders and the Andrew McCarthys versus the, the Duckies and the yeah. whatever her right. name was. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I can't think of Molly Ringwald's character's name. Uh, yeah, I can't either. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, but I think that that was an interesting thing, right? Like, growing up around those people, like, we, I didn't live around, I lived in a, in a working class black neighborhood, but I went to school in a wealthy white neighborhood, right? And it was just like a very weird thing, right? So being around the children of those people, you know, some 20 years later, I'm like, wow, they're different now. Like, maybe they wouldn't be different to a black kid in their in their grade, but I think they would be. They're not, like, they're different. Like, they're the same children, but they're different. They're kinder. Well, they're that's, more I was going to say, it's they're very race relations have you know? improved right. since the 1980s and 70s. Like, people say there's still right. racism, and there is, but... You know, incrementally, things have gotten better. They just have to with the exploit. Going back to where we started with the Internet and the voyeuristic society, you cannot today be brought up in a uh, environment where you look at someone misfortunate and mock or I mean, you can if you're a a sociopath. But didn't we talk about this uh, (laughs) several weeks ago? I can't remember. Um, I know I talked to you about it, but I don't know if we we recorded it where um, I went to my first parent teacher conference and I doubled back on that in my own head. So, like, when, when, my, when my daughter was in daycare, it was just mixed black and white kids. And, you know, when at the end of the day, she'd just get up and hug her black friend and never asked anything like, why is my friend black? It was just kids. They accept it. And then we go to the first parent-teacher conference in kindergarten, and the teacher's like, we're teaching about diversity and why some kids are black. And some I'm like, huh, they were just naturally accepting, and now you're pointing out that they're different. That doesn't make sense to me. But 
in a way it does because I do live in, in the Midwest where it is majority white and as much as you know, there there are people here, obviously, that do not expose themselves to other ideas, beliefs, cultures, cre- and so they might have shitty parents, and they might need the teacher to sit down. That's what I eventually, the conclusion I drew was, you know what, just because my daughter is uh, wise and went to a good daycare doesn't mean other people have shitty parents, don't have shitty parents at home, and need the teacher to point out that, you know, this kid's white, this kid's black, fuck it, hug each other, who cares? I'm just sort of rambling, but I'm saying that incrementally things have gotten better. Not not great, but they do get better. Yeah. I mean, I think you, I mean, you know, if we put another pivot point here, I suppose. It's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept, right? Like the concept of how children are taught race because... We live in a society where you're right, like we might have to legislate understanding for a while. Do you know what I mean? Like affirmative action was really an attempt to legislate night kindness. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, like it sounds silly, but that's kind of what it was, right? Like if you guys are all going to be a bunch of assholes, kindness or fairness you. or fairness, sure, fairness, right? Like that's yes, it's a much better word, right? So, like it's a way to legislate fairness, right? And so I think that like in a world where we're so polarized, right? We're like the enemy like, we're all yelling. Everybody's, like, sending their message out. And I'm in interrupting very, because you made me think yes. of, like, we're making a movie in a world where we're so right. polarized. Right. <laughs> exactly. But, right. <laughs> but that's really it, right? Like, like when, when, like, and I'm going to use examples that are not polar opposites. So, like, the four of you that are listening to this don't write hate mail like, that's not it, and we're not the opposite of that. I know, I'm just using these two as examples because it's low-hanging fruit, okay? Um, the Black Lives Matter people, when they're out marching, they fundamentally believe that what they're saying is right. And they're angry because other people don't believe that right now they're not all angry obviously there's plenty of people who are trying to sell to 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 not yell black lives matter but to explain why black lives matter and write songs about it and put on poetry shows and 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 educate people in a different way but there are also people yelling that too right i'd I'd rather hear yelling than poetry but anyway right but now the people that they're yelling to are either there's very little middle ground there, right? So if they're yelling their message and I agree with them, which I happen to, I like the yelling. It in, it empowers me, right? But when the Tiki Torch white guys are yelling their message, again, I understand the Tiki Torch white guys are not the exact opposite of Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter is not the exact opposite of Tiki Torch white guys, right? But you know what I'm eh. saying. Right. Right. But so but when they're yelling their message, it's offensive to me, but it's empowering to the people who believe them. Right. The same way when Black Lives Matter people are yelling their message, it's it 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 enrages the Tiki Torch white guys. It alienates them. Right. And it doesn't have to. But we've 
taken these positions where we're yelling the message. I think the message can no longer be yelled. I think that it has to be like what we're talking about with reaching the youth. It has to be given a new delivery system, right? And I think, and here's where it comes around to why Nathan is the best, right? Because I realize that the new delivery system is comedians. That's who it is, right? And it's not a new delivery system. It's the oldest delivery system, right? Like it's the, the court one jester that is, in the kingdom, right? Exactly. That the the court jester was always the one who spoke truth to power. You had the philosophers, you had the songwriters, you had the singers, you had the dancers, you had the composers. They all spoke truth to power too, but the comedians were largely the ones who could get the closest. Do you know what I mean? Like they could get. No, I know exactly closest, what you mean. It's it's, you know? it's any guy asking a girl on a date, "Hey, would you go out with me?" No, I was just kidding. You know, it's like that's the right. jester is. Right. Hey, King, remember your time the fucked over those peasants? Ah, joke. You know, it's right. it's the it's the out. Right. It's you can you always have that out of I'm just kidding. That's why I named my last CD. I might not be joking. Right. You know, exactly. because the whole point right. is maybe I'm not kidding. Maybe I'm, you know, serious yeah. with some of my bullshit. I mean, dude, from an analytical standpoint, I mean, I watch a lot of comedy, one, because I like comedy, and, and two, because you're family and you do comedy, right? So, like, I'm always kind of watching it to see what I can glean from these things, right? Um, but one of the things that I realize is when I watch people like three of my favorites, and they may not be your favorites, right? But three of my favorites. I like Patrice O'Neill. I think he was a fucking genius. Um, I like... I think Sarah Silverman's pretty funny sometimes. Like, so like there's things... Like, she, like, makes me pee myself sometimes, you know? Um, and I find Dave Chappelle to be hilarious, right? Now, if I look at the three of them, they have remarkably similar styles, as does George Carlin, right? It's different, but it's, it's the same template. You... Admit, you admit something embarrassing about yourself, which humanizes you, and then everybody in the audience goes, yeah, I, I do that too. I pick my nose too when I'm in my car. Ha, huh, that's funny. I didn't know. Maybe I'm not as weird as I thought. So you give people the permission to be embarrassing because we all are, right? And so you lull them into a false sense of security by, uh, by admitting something vulnerable about yourself, right? Or something that makes you vulnerable. Then you make a joke out of it. You tell a funny story. You tell a really funny story that has escalating punchlines, right? Like, it's like they do this escalating punchline thing. And then they get to the real big payoff. Then they'd say something serious where they educate you. Like, they, they teach you something, do you know that in this country, corporations make and they pay their workers, blah, 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 right? But did you know that in 1950-something, Emmett Till did, right? Sarah Silverman will, will throw in some shit about, like, and in this country, women make and blah, 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 right? And they'll educate you on something that you needed to know, right? Because it is important information. But they got you in this place where you were able to hear it. Then they make a joke at the end about something. They tell you something really serious, then make a joke at the end of it. Then they admit something funny, and then 
to close it out. They tie it back into the first joke that they said. They tie in the last joke's punchline to the first joke's punchline or something in there, and then they're out. It's like every single show follows that script. But here's the thing. I like it. I like that script, right? Like, I like the way they do it. I think it's really effective. And I get why they're popular, because they hit all those triggers. And if I look back through history, Red Fox, Richard Pryor, you know, I think they did the same thing. Robin Williams, right? Same thing. I don't know that it was as scripted as it is today. I think those guys were naturals. You know what I mean? But I think that it works. And I think that, like, when we talk about you and me and we tie this way back to our first thing, like professional comedians, tie it back into the first topic. When you have a situation where you're trying to reach an audience, you have to put it in a delivery mechanism that they want. You can't put it in the one you think is going to work. You have to put it in the one they tell you they want. Because it's actually their choice, not yours. It's not your choice to decide how they receive the information you need to get them. It's their choice. So put it in the way that they want to hear it. That's what I think. Sounds like not putting a pill in peanut butter for your dog. Right, exactly. That's literally what it is. You're exact. And, right, like, dogs, children, men, women... Are we any different, right? Like, when we act like we're not animals, that's when we get into the most trouble, is when we act like we don't have biological drives and do stupid things. Like, when we look at our dog and go, oh, my God, my dog is so stupid. Ha, 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 look at what it's doing. We're the fucking same. We just don't see our stupidity. That's all. You know what I mean? And I think that we probably need to... Maybe that's it, right? Like, I'll, I need to wrap my music, my message in peanut butter. You know what I mean? If the music is a pill, right? Like, if we're going to say that what you... If we think that the truth that we're saying is so uncomfortable, right? That's kind of it, right? It's just got to so. have an incredible goddamn hook so people can tap their... Sing along to it uh, or tap their foot to it. Incredible melody or hook, something they can whistle right. or exactly. sing. Right, like, yeah, like, if you take if you take a really beautiful message and put it in a melody that sounded as ear candy... That's not a terrible thing. That's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Because some people aren't going to like it, but some people are. The people who need that are going to hear the message delivered through that, right? Like if the, like somebody like when I was a kid and my intellect was at a certain level or my my level of understanding was at a certain place right i needed messages i might have been looking for the truth but the truth still needed to be delivered to me in a way that at my level of comprehension i could receive it do you know what i mean <laughs> right so no, I, like, I think you go through you your know, entire life that way i just wrote right. And, and we should start wrapping this up. I just wrote or uh, posted a, a blog today as we record this uh, about how I view It's a Wonderful Life today as how I viewed it when I was 20. When I was 20, I was like, oh, I get this film. It's great. You know, like uh, George Bailey was never born and this is the impact he had on others. And now that I'm an adult with, uh, you know, a wife and kids and I look at my life and go, you know, George Bailey wanted to build bridges and travel the world and build skyscrapers and he had all these ambitions but he stayed in one place i look on back in my life and like hey i really want to accomplish all these things as a comedian oops i failed um and i'm like at that same point where i'm relying on my family more for happiness than my early ambitions 
So yeah. I'm, basically, everything it changes with life. You're, the, the way you Absolutely. process information, the way you need information given to you, the the, the what you do with that information. Um, we can just sum this entire podcast up with, "Hey, you get old." I uh, and and you don't like YouTube videos of people talking about songs that they didn't write. I have no idea. <laughs> I think we I think we came close to to coming full circle. You brought it back nicely yeah. a couple minutes ago. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, man. That was fun. Antargoodwin.com. And for the record, I think we have seven listeners. And uh, com. <laughs> Spread the word. Say uh, nice things about us on uh, on for the Idiots on Parade podcast. Say nice things on Apple or Stitcher or SoundCloud, mm-hmm. wherever you listen to it. Tell your friends to listen. Uh, spread the word. Or Thanks. say me or say mean things and send it to your friends and talk about how stupid it is and yeah. tell, make them listen to it. Shit, just get this in the ears of people. <laughs> you know? Exactly. What, that's, that's however good. you yes. need to do it. Do it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks yeah, for man. listening. Yeah.